Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as he makes all things new. We are excited to pursue his heart for the greatest city on earth and the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. Talking about today prophecy which is the, the act or the gift of speaking what is God's heart to people. It is literally you are looking at God's heart for others and sharing with them what he has for them in life. Now, prof- prophecy is always about the future most likely, but it also includes words of knowledge which are about the present. And you're not only just saying God has got something for you in the future. Many times you talk about things that are going on right now in people's lives. The whole goal of gifts of the spirit that you move in is to open people's hearts to receive the message of Jesus Christ. Nothing else. It is for them to understand how loved and seen they are in Christ. And so we we walk around life sometimes, especially in a big city. It's like nobody sees me. Nobody knows me. I'm anonymous, but to speak directly to the heart of people by showing them the heart of God is a great and wonderful privilege that we all get the opportunity to tap into. So prophecy is is sharing the heart of God. Now, this is not exactly a workshop where you go really in depth. I'm just taking a week to talk about some of the key gifts of the spirit. Later on, we will have a workshop that we can go more in depth in how do we move in these gifts that make the gospel not just come alive, but it makes it exciting. Anybody remember church being boring as a kid, if you went to church as a kid? Anybody remember that being boring? It's like, man, when am I going to get out of here? This is like, oh my gosh. But when I learned to engage with and was equipped actually and edified to engage with the gifts of the Spirit, it is as if the Bible literally came alive. I didn't see it as an ancient document that I couldn't reach. It was way in the future somewhere or in the past somewhere. I saw it as a present living document that's been breathed upon by the Holy Spirit and gives us access to these things that Jesus paid for. And it's only, like we talked about, those gifts are meant to work through love. It is as if God is looking for every possible way he can to show us how much he loves us. He's going to get the flowers. He's going to get the chocolate. He's shoveling the sidewalk. He's like everything. He's giving you the kitchen sink. He's putting more, you know, he's just like doing whatever, he's just like a, uh, I'm trying to think of the word I have to think, an overbearing boyfriend or something like that, you know what I mean? Wealthy, he's just like, I, I just want to show you how much I love you. And so many times because we haven't accepted his love, all we can do is what we do in life sometimes when we feel we're not worthy, which is rejected. And rejected and this, this father who's coming eager to us, just as he came to the children of Israel and said, I want you to be my priest, my holy nation on earth. And they said, nah, Moses, you go talk to him and tell us what to do. We don't want that. We want to be like all the rest of the religions that have these physical idols that they can worship. 
We would like to do that. I imagine this heartbroken father who's throwing everything. I just want you to be, this is a story of scripture. He just wants us to be with him. But we love these things that are here on earth more than we love him. Prophecy is just a reminder of the grace he has for us and how much he desires to be with us. If you could turn to 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 4. We've been reading before from uh, 1 Corinthians 12 with the list of all the gifts that include healing, prophecy, words of knowledge, gifts of faith, all these opportunities that we have to partner with God here on earth. But he starts out 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 4. If you got it, say got it. Okay. Pursue love and desire gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Now, what this is saying is when you speak in tongues, which is a heavenly language and many times can't be understood by our natural ears, you're edifying yourself and speaking to the Lord. But when you are prophesying in your native language and those who are hearing it can understand it, then you are edifying and exhorting them who are believers. If they are believers, then they are part of this nationwide, worldwide church that Jesus died on the cross for. That this gift is meant not to um, drive around in fancy cars. I hope it's fine. You know, people can do that. It's fine. It, it is meant to edify and exhort the church. It's not meant to be exploited. It's not even meant to um, be transactional. It is meant to be a gift that God has given you. Therefore, you give it away as a gift. And as such, you just the only purpose is to encourage and exhort people and help us know how much God loves us and he appreciates us and we're peering into this heart of God for each other. There were prophets in scripture that I talked about originally, Elijah. Elijah did some amazing things that he saw God multiply food, multiply, um, saw people got, get healed radical, radically, people raised from the dead, and then he called his successor, who was Elisha. Elijah said, ask for anything you want. Elijah says, I want a double portion of your anointing. Now, if you look in scripture, Elijah did about twice as many miracles as Elijah did. Hearing from the Lord in a time and giving that to others. In James 5, 16 through 18, it says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, 
and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Dang, that was a good prayer. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Imagine that. Imagine praying so fervently that God would punish an evil and wicked regime and all of the rain is gone from the land. And then the story that I talked about earlier was the beginning of that rain coming to the land where his servant goes back and forth. It wasn't Elisha at this time. His servant goes back and forth seven times and then sees a fist, a cloud the size of a man's fist and then believes that there is rain. And these were Old Testament prophets who simply heard from God and spoke to men. They heard from God and spoke to men. A gift that we all can tap into, that we would all prophesy. Like I said, this is not a workshop, but there are some ground rules to giving and receiving prophetic words. And it is that it should be edifying, encouraging. It shouldn't be your dog is going to die on Thursday, you know what I'm saying? It should be something that brings joy to your heart and you can connect with in your spirit. As you are receiving prophetic words, it is important for you to judge them. Yes, I know it's supposed to be a no judgment zone, right? But you can judge prophetic words. You can say, eh, I don't like that word. I'm going to flush that one down the toilet. I'm, I'm going to forget about that. That is okay to do with prophetic words to judge them. And getting a prophetic word right or wrong is not the goal. Accuracy is not the goal. The goal is edification. Anybody else know? The goal is it's not a trick question. Love. Love is not. <laughs> Answer is always Jesus. But yeah, it's Edification happens, exhortation happens. The goal is that people would feel love. The goal is that people would feel what? That people would feel? We can never overemphasize love, the importance of love. Jesus fulfilled all these prophecies through scripture simply to show how much God has loved us. For God so the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Love is the crux of all of this, which is why 1 Corinthians 12 is buttressed by 1 Corinthians 13. It's a love sandwich, okay? 12, 13, and 14. You have to go through love to get to the workings of the gifts. The hard part with prophecy is that many times, and this is even in our lives when we're listening to direction, we're praying, God, what should I do? Where should I go? How should I work out the situation? We start first by hearing the Lord for ourselves consistently, and then we can begin to deliver it to others. The hard part is God often speaks with a whisper that we need to declare boldly that is so difficult sometimes because we will only declare things that are signed, sealed, and delivered, right? 
Things that we know and understand. It's almost like someone asking you to uh, uh, repeat verbatim those after terms and conditions that everybody just accepts. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to read all of that. I don't know exactly the ins and outs of it. But it becomes a feeling and understanding that we have from the Lord that we declare boldly to others. And it is scary. It's scary putting yourself out there for love. But what better reason to put yourself out there than to show others how much God loves them? We are all so afraid of being imperfect that we never walk in the imperfection that is love. That we can love each other despite our imperfections and that's what it is. These words that we hear from the Lord will always remain in a place where uncertainty is possible. You guys want to turn to 1 John, please? And this is not only our Something that we remove from the air. And I, you know, even if Paul said it in Corinthians, it's good, it's awesome. I model my life after Jesus. What Jesus walked in, the gifts that he moved in, the way he loved people is what I look at as a model for living. Because if Jesus said it and Jesus did it, it's going to be buttery. You know what I'm saying? And we keep doing it until Jesus comes. We keep walking in his grace that he has given us for a purpose. And I love like um, how ultimately patient God is with us. That sometimes we can be so impatient with each other, but God gives us all the time in the world. So I'll be in 1 John 48. Actually, sorry, sorry, John 1, 48, because that's something different than 1 John 48. John 1, 48. And so this is the story of Philip and Nathaniel meeting Jesus. And in this passage of scripture, Jesus models prophecy and words of knowledge. How it is meant to bring us to him. That all that we do is meant to point to Jesus. And this is an opportunity where Jesus points to himself. So I'm going to start at 47, actually. John 1 and 47. Say, got it if you got it. Okay, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. 
Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, dang, that was easy. <laughs> he actually said, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than this. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see the heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Jesus is saying, Nathaniel, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. Now, this could be a euphemism or a meaning for a whole bunch, range of things. Normally, Israel is referred to as a fig tree. The Torah could be referred to as a fig tree. The fig tree and the vine were commonly thought of in the Old Testament as symbols of freedom. In Deuteronomy, it says, one day every man will be able to sit under their fig tree and under their vine. But also there is shade that comes from those. So it could be a hidden place, a place of consecration, a place of prayer before the Lord. Essentially, Jesus was saying to Nathaniel, I see you. You have a pure heart. And I saw you crying out to God for the Messiah. And you know what? Here I am. And because he gave him that word of knowledge that he saw him, his heart was open to receive everything else that Jesus was saying. This is a perfect understanding of what the gifts are for. They're to open our hearts to make people feel seen by God. I know where you are. I know what you're going through. Let me show you how much I love you. Jesus can meet Nathaniel under the fig tree before he ever met him face to face. Wow, that's amazing. An Israelite in whom there is no God. Why would he make that statement? There is no deceit. Well, who was Israel? Israel was Jacob, right? Who was Jacob? The liar and the deceiver. What famously happened to Jacob? Oh, I remember. He fell asleep with his head on a rock, and he saw angels ascending and descending upon a ladder. Jesus is like, oh, I got something for you. You are going to see angels ascend and descend upon me. Because I am the ladder, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Everything that happens comes through me. No one gets to the Father except by me. He was not only giving him his address, he was giving him exactly where he was going. That Nathaniel in his quiet time with the Lord, under the tree, was crying out to God for the revelation of the Messiah. And Nathaniel was of Cana, the same place that Jesus performed his first miracle at the wedding. Crying out to the Lord. And Jesus gives him a word of knowledge. I saw you under the fig tree and then the prophecy. You will see even greater things than this. Angels ascending and descending upon me. This is the way that the gifts of the Spirit work in real life. They are to open people's hearts to Jesus and to show him, I see you, I love you, I know you. That's it. That's the whole of the gospel is to show.
somebody says the gifts of the Spirit are for something else, that is a lie. It's always to show us how much God loves us. And the crazy thing about this is that Daniel, a couple verses before, had insulted Jesus. Come and see, Philip, come and see this Jesus of Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from the west side? Can anything good come from the south side? And instead of chastising him when he came, he said, oh, look, at this Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Because prophecy is not about who you ain't. It's about who you are. It's not about how you're acting or your place in life. It's about where you're going. I remember once I saw this in action, we had a, a conference that was called the Flame of Love at the UIC Center. And so what I would do a lot is I would take teams on the street, right? I would, we would go out to just love people, give them prophetic words and pray for them. I approached a guy who was uh, sitting on a bench and I just started to tell him how much God loved him. I said, oh man, you are, you are wonderful, you are a man of high integrity, of love, Joy, God has such a plan for you. He has called you to so much. The dude stood up and stopped me and said, whoa, let me tell you what I'm doing wrong. I am sleeping with someone that is not my wife. I am stealing this. I am doing this, and I'm doing that. How easy do you think it was to see that man give his life to Jesus? Ridiculously easy. Why? Not because I said, I see you are a deceiver, I see you are a liar, I see you are this, I see you are that. I said, God has shown me who you are, your heart, who you are. And when we see that in comparison to maybe where we are, we go, oh man, I want that, that that's who I am. That's what prophecy does. That's what words of knowledge does. It says, oh man, this is where Jesus wants me to be. Constantly in history, the church has had a habit of doing the same thing over and over and over and over. Even in all of our wealth of ideas and the beauty of what we know and understand, we do the same thing over and over and over and over again. We pioneer something, the world starts to question it, takes it for its own, and then we back away from it and say we never knew it. The New Age movement has taken prophecy, has taken the psychic movement to another level, and people go, oh, whoa, we're getting away from that. What if I told you that every cultural movement that we see in this world right now is pioneered by the church? Music, arts, science. Churches are not known for science anymore. Why? Because we backed away from them. Ugh. Ugh, I don't know about arts. I don't know about arts. People just secular. I don't know about that kind of stuff. And now we're in the midst of a new movement to do the same thing with Jesus. 
doesn't care about justice. Look at the way these evangelicals are acting. And in order to be in accord with people, we back away from Jesus. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This, history repeats itself. We do the same thing over and over. So we're in the midst right now of even beginning to gut the very reason we are here, which is Jesus. The reason why I mention that, because it makes us back away from all of his gifts, his spirit, the very power that we have to work in the world. Can I even share Jesus anymore? Christians haven't been acting well. Can I even like say how much I love him? Can I even share that? And this is these words. This is what it's meant for. For us to love people. Not to hate people. It's meant to love and open up the doors of his heart. If I can't see your love, it may not exist. Because love looks like something, you know? It's not a theoretical idea that floats up in the air somewhere. It needs to be very practical in the way we love people. We're in the midst of Black History Month now, right? And everybody is looking for ways that they can begin to love black people, which we should be doing every single day. Do you think if Jesus came to this earth right now, he would live where I live, which is uh, on the north side? No, no, that was the whole point. Can anything good come from Austin? Can anything good come from Woodlawn? That's the question that Nathaniel was asking. So this month may not just be a token thing that we do, but let it be a daily way that we reach out to those who don't look like us. That we love those who don't look like us. That we share the heart of the Lord, his heart, for others. It's the most beautiful job we've been given, but it's not an obligation. It's just a love. That we can share information, that we can share resources, that we can go out of our way to get out of our neighborhood and experience a different culture. That nobody needs white guilt especially black people. What we all do need is more love and more butter. That prophecy is a connection with the heart of God. That he's been doing all this stuff just to get us with him. And, and I'm telling you, I will do whatever it takes. As you can tell, I'm not a cessationist because I'm doing whatever it takes to love people. Why would I take an entire portion of scripture and say, I'm not going to do that? I'm trying everything. You know why? Because I'm going to look like my father who tried everything. 
who was still trying everything to reach out to us. There is no scarcity in heaven. There is no scarcity of passion, emotion, love, or opportunity. Think about all of the problems that exist in the world. Now think about all of the people who maybe said no to God. He said, here, here is this problem I want you to solve and dedicate your life to. I'm sure you can do this. And everybody's like, eh, no, no. But we start from that place of treating the words that he gives us as precious, especially the ones that we give to each other. It's a beautiful symbiotic relationship and points to the heart of God who just wants us with him. That's it. We complicate it so much. Sit in silence or sit and not silence. Um, sit under a tree. Maybe not right now. but <laughs> Sit with him and you will find the very purpose that he sent Jesus to earth. It's not more complex than that. That all Jesus saw was Nathaniel sitting under a fig tree longing for him. Longing for the Messiah. And Jesus says, here I am. So as we prepare to receive Jesus, as we prepare to receive his love, we understand that he has laid everything on the line. I want to take communion real quick. Could you grab that back there, Max? Uh-oh, I should have planned better for this. No, it's okay. I don't know what the next It's all right. We will do it next week. And I need to get some more anyway because I think the ones we have are pretty old. So. Um, but you guys want to stand up? think about Jesus on the cross and in the midst of all this agony and this pain, he says, Father forgive them. And I think he just wanted to make sure there was still no obstacles between God's love and us. Still making sure that way is clear. Put your hand on your heart. Father, I pray that today you would make us agents of your love upon this earth. That we would begin to speak goodness to others. That we would begin to speak love to others. I am so very thankful for this opportunity to be with you in, in your presence, God. I'm thankful, God, that you forgive us so much. And you love us so much 
Let us be just as ridiculously, hopeful, hopelessly passionate about love as you are. And be willing even to make a perpetual fool of ourselves because of that love, God. That we wouldn't be afraid, but we would be bold in our proclamation and our declaration of who you are and who you have called us to be, Father. Thank you for opening your heart to us, Jesus. Thank you for being such a beautiful reflection of that same love. And we love you so much, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.